Hi, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Thomas. And this is the Unbossing Podcast. A show about unleashing the full potential of every organization. And so what both Thomas and I are really eager to understand and to know is in the domain of the combination of technology in organizations today and unbossed leadership in organizations today, if there's in that specific domain, domain technology and leadership, if there's one central insight, one central thing that you absolutely want to share with the entire world and all the leaders all across the world, what would that be? That would probably be that you cannot disconnect the two. Uh, I have yet to see an organization that is truly unbossed, meaning that you have employees that are set free. You have leadership that only more or less spends that time talking about vision, talking about where we should go, and not so much calculating whether or not we'll get there in time. In order for that to work in a small scale or a large scale, you need on one side what most people get out of reading on bars. You need a strong purpose and you need uh, some smart thoughts about how you're going to organize yourself. But what most people haven't read out of the book, it's in the book, but they just probably didn't figure it out or we weren't good enough at explaining it, is that you actually need an infrastructure in terms of technology that enables an organization to be it flat in an, in an essence. And today, for me, this is not just for applying Slack or traditional social media platforms that we might have mentioned in the book because this was in 2014. Today, this is more of giving the power of building technology into the hands of each employee. Uh, right now, I'm, uh, I'm super focused and totally caught up on the no-code movement that I'm writing my fifth book about. And this movement is about giving the the power of creating software back to everyone. So instead of relying on a software developer, instead of waiting for your IT department, being able to build the tools, not only for internal collaboration, but also for collaborating with customers and partners, giving that back to each employee of the company, I believe will be one of the central bricks in actually making organizations that are more fit for the future. So in a nutshell, it is that you cannot disconnect a belief in purpose with also building the, the right infrastructure. Um, okay. And yeah. for you, that, that's in the domain of um, giving uh, people in the organization the tools to basically create digital products without yep. the requirement of having the skills to be a software developer. Exactly. Exactly. And can, you give, uh, can you give some examples on... on what the potential is if you can achieve that? Yeah, so the potential right now is that you it will, you would have, be hard to find an organization that would not benefit from being more digital, either through uh, how you collaborate, which would be mostly in the, the sense of onboard, how your organization actually runs, so sort of the piping of your organization, but also outwards, how you engage with your customers and how you engage with your partners and so on. Uh, and for that to happen, most organizations, as it is today, have two options. They either build up a very large internal capacity for an IT department, or they rely on external partners, be that SAP or 
other large uh, corporations, Microsoft, that would supply them with these tools. But they would be limited in the sense that in order to reach the market, they have to describe what they want. And when most organizations that I have seen try to describe what they want with technology, maybe it's their curiosity, maybe it's their creativity. Somewhere in between those two terms, they miss what they actually want and they end up specking out the wrong things. So they end up getting the wrong solutions. It takes too long time. Uh, and four, six, eight years down the line, they have uh, spent a lot of money and a lot of time building systems that no one will use. So what I want is to give that power to each individual of the organization. In an hour, maybe in two, maybe in three, build a prototype of your actual idea and then start collaborating with your colleagues or your customers. And there's sort of like a golden age right now in these sorts of tools that are popping up everywhere. But it seems like most corporations that I talk to sort of haven't figured this out, or maybe they're too scared of what their IT department might say in this age of IT security and everything. Jacob, very well. I know that very well, uh, what our traditional IT departments uh, uh, say and what they think of it. Just to dive in a bit uh, more, Jacob, what you are saying is there is a f full range of standardized tools uh, when we speak about enablers of uh, unbossing. At least that's what they claim. Let's start with Slack. Let's go further with Zoom and so further and so forth. But uh, what you are saying is uh, it's much better for uh, organizations to build up in an easy way their individualized uh, solution instead of standard. Do I understand that right? No, that, that mm. sort of goes hand in hand. For, for many occasions, you'll probably be fine using standard tools, and that will probably also enable you to move fast. But in many occasions, you need to make something that is fit for the purpose you're trying to solve. So say you want to involve 40,000 colleagues in building your future strategy. You might be able to make some sort of a weaving a carpet of different kinds of tools you could find online using Google. That might be possible only using standard tools. But it might be that you need something that's very specific for your purpose. In many cases, you do. When you digitize products or you digitize processes, you need to have something that's more end-to-end -end you. And in that case, you rely on software developers, be that from an external side or internal side. And right now, we actually have the possibility of giving that power to each employee of our company. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe that will be the next big shift, that everyone we work with will have the power to create the digitization themselves uh, and not be limited um, in the way they work. Yeah, the, the first uh, three years of HiveLens, um, before we um, fully focused on purely the unbossing of organizations, we also had a software development team and they were massive believers of the, um, uh, is it low code software no, or zero code software? What's the exact term, uh, Jakob? There are different uh, methodologies. Yeah, uh, low code but, is primarily for software yeah. development. So, but Thomas, the idea is that even you, you don't have any software development skills that you have, you get tools that you that allows you to create a new digital product for a customer and that you can prototype it without having to write any line of code of know? course nick and i it's learned done. also cobol and fortran and <laughs> <laughs> sorry i and, underestimate uh, you <laughs> and a bit of assembler 
with which yeah. you could still program a nice IBM mainframe with, Nick. So are we talking here, um, all, all jokes aside, and sorry for underestimating you, Thomas, um, are we talking about the democratization of software Definitely. development? Yeah. Definitely. So and, right and, now that... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So be as focused and as concentrated and as wise as Thomas to be able to build software. Uh, and that would keep most people out of this space. So 30 years ago, it would be almost impossible to get into. 10 years ago, it started becoming more and more accessible and more and more people sort of, if you went to a corporate event, many would say, well, my big goal is to learn how to code. But then they started reading up on Python or actual programming languages. And most people I meet, at least, they then dropped the, the idea again when they realize this might be too much of a hassle or take too much time, or maybe it's not their focus mm -hmm. uh, because it will require you put in like a year or two of focused effort in learning this. But right now what I'm seeing is if I give one of some of these tools that I'm working with in my, my future book here, if I give that to someone who's never even seen a programming language before in just a day or maybe even two days, they have gone from thinking they can't create anything, they might not even want to interfere with uh, IT departments, and then into building their own products in just a matter of days. So I believe this will be a massive shift, not only in how technology will change organizations, but more also how technology will change our thoughts that we can actually go from being users to creators. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody becomes creative. Yeah, yeah it sounds yeah. amazing to me, Jacob, uh, because what you're saying is... Um, if that happens, then this technology becomes a part of the core strategic advantage or competitive advantage of a company as opposed to using standard technology of the rack. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or in combination with. So it's more in opposition, actually, to how we develop big systems today. Uh, or that any thought that would somehow become digital right now requires you to describe it in a PowerPoint, have a meeting, explain it to someone, have another meeting, explain it again, and then you might even be so lucky you get some money to call up a contractor. And then a year from having your initial thought, you might have the first prototype where, where the market might have changed or maybe you forgot your idea. <laughs> so in such a way that if you could actually create that in the same moment it would be as easy or maybe almost as easy as creating the PowerPoint uh, I believe we would have an immense increase in productivity how will this impact the entire agile uh, movement that's going on in so, so many organizations and, uh, and often resulting in zombie agility everybody mm. leaving their agile but actually they're just uh, following the rules uh, yeah yeah uh, any thoughts on that i don't have any concrete examples but my gut feeling is it would actually enable many of the uh, agile principles that many organizations are trying to implement uh, because this will enable you to at least on the digital side on the technology side to move so much faster and be so much more concrete uh, and not create sort of shadow projects that will never become of anything more than just a PowerPoint. Um, many of those things will be building blocks for actually enabling a truly agile organization. 
Um, because Agile for me really doesn't work if it's only something you do in IT. Uh, it will only work if it's something your entire organization does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and that also goes for technology, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should be a, the, an, ad, an, an adopter of technology in your organization, not just uh, the IT guys. Um, what would be the desired future state for you? So let's, let's, let's look at three to five years down the road. Um, you have organizations where everybody has this power to, to very easily create these prototypes and go into communication with your customers on, and then requiring, requesting their feedback. What would, what is your future desired state, Jacob? How, how, how does it look? How does it, how does it feel? How does it smell? Mm. Yeah, so I think you would be living in an organization that's able to sort of take away pain as you feel it. So right now, what I see most in technology is that many organizations that I work with, they are in pain. They either feel pain in internal processes, so that the tools that should help them to collaborate, to be productive, actually results in doing the opposite. And when they try to fix them, they can send in tickets and requests and in many other ways communicate with other people on changing them, but they have to live with these uh, sub-optimal uh, tools for quite a while before them even being a chance of having a workshop on fixing them, uh, not to talk about actually fixing them. So if you live in an organization where you're actually able to feel pain, this doesn't work. This shouldn't be how we collaborate. This shouldn't be how this product feels. Uh, you're actually able to change it. You're actually able to come up with a concrete suggestion or maybe even a concrete solution on how to fix it. Um, that will maybe go from your thought to being in production in a couple of weeks. That yeah. will be, uh, yeah. 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 That yeah, absolutely. And there you see the balance between creating an organizational system where people are empowered and, and, and there's a, there's a clear process for when you experience a pain in your organization, you're, you have the mandate, the power to make proposals and to, to, to have an impact on the solution in terms of the system you need to have to support this type of collaboration. And then on the other hand, um, having the technology to equally as fast, um, uh, create the prototype to solve the problem. Because often the pain that you're feeling is related to te- might be related to technology, and it's mm. one thing to create a system where people can uh, name the problem, they can make proposals to fix it. But if it's a technology related, they're dependent often of the ICT department to get it fixed, and it takes mm. quite some time. If you mm. can there give the technological power to those people seeing and having the impact of the actual problem and giving them the technology power to solve it also if it's digitally related. Um, yeah. Now I'm getting there. Yeah, now yeah. I'm getting okay. there. So, so when we wrote Unpass six years ago, or many years ago, actually, more, more years ago than we actually wrote it, but it came out six years ago. So one of our leading stars was the open source movement. So we imagined that corporations could more or less become as agile as a very good open source project. Because in a, in a very good open source project, you don't have that visible leaders. You have multiple people that step up and are very visible in the community and that are usually replying to many questions or maybe they're part of many discussions on the future of the product. 
but they don't have a definitive power. Their power relies in them being able to put forward an argument, and if people believe that's a good argument, they will follow them, and if not, they won't. But also that in an open source organization, you have transparency in the way that you solve your problems. Uh, so for programmers, you've actually been living in this world for seven, eight, nine years, that uh, most of your code lives in repositories that are open in the open source world, and everyone can look at what you've done. They can point at something that doesn't work, and instead of just putting in a complaint, saying it's terrible that this program doesn't work, in the open source uh, world, you would only be taken serious if you actually come up with a, with a suggestion on how to fix it. So you would actually upload some code that would fix this problem. And then the creators of the actual software would look at it and see if it works. And if it works, they would implement your solution. So there you have a more flat and more agile organization where you don't have that many differentiators between who are customers and who are colleagues and so on, so forth. This is very much a mixed race. Um, and my hope is that through enabling people to be more concrete with technology and as a first step, you would create organizations that could sort of mimic the open source movement. And instead of just complaining, they can actually come up with solutions that would actually solve the problems they're facing in the work they do today. I find it so interesting, Nick, because I immediately had to think of Gary Hamer, who we had on the podcast this week, and who was speaking about the wisdom of the crowd uh, in the Linux uh, example. Yeah, exactly. Not only that, if uh, uh, what Jakob is, t is, is telling is um, triggering me on the collaboration we have with Antwerp Management School, with the Department of Technology, where we, when we teach the students, where we make the comparison between the complex system being the software and the complex system being the organization. And he's an expert in how do we solve the problem of complexity and sustainability in software. And we are focused more on organizations. And what yeah. we're coming up with are the same, the same principles, exactly, <laughs> exactly the same principles, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, that's, that's, that's really fascinating to, to, to get yeah. this uh, insight confirmed by, by Jakob as well. And I really envy the open source movement that they mm -hmm. can work in this way. Because for me, at least, there you have a couple of hundred thousand organizations. They might not be legal entities as we know corporations. But you have a couple of hundred thousand active projects that are very active on GitHub, for example, mm -hmm. which is a very um, popular community for software developers. Uh, and there you actually have millions of people collaborating without even thinking about who is actually an employee, who's a customer, who's a partner. They're all in this together. Um, and of course, some collaborate more than others, and some contribute more code. Uh, but in the end, the, the result they create is the sum of all of their relations and all of their contributions. Uh, and I believe that's a very beautiful prototype of the organization of the future. Uh, just happens to be that mostly programmers understand it, and not that many CEOs that I meet. Mm -hmm. The wave is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and Thomas, Thomas is a, a very nice example of the, the, the awakening of uh, CEOs in, that, uh, in this domain. Right, Thomas? <laughs> it, it is true. Thank you. But what, what is fascinating me about this is that instead of of an organization or instead of 
a monopoly or a regulated thing as a competitive advantage compared to others, that this organization and this way of working together as such can become a competitive advantage for an organization, for example, within the same business or even within a commodity business, uh, uh, you would say, because I'm organized in the way Jacob is describing it, because I'm using all these possibilities, I'm better than my competitors. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Wow, very cool. Um, what's the name? Do you already have a name for your new book, uh, Jacob? It's called No Code. Uh, and that that name will only go if I actually become the first one to describe the movement, which I'm uh, writing, trying to write as fast as possible, so that this will actually be the first book on Amazon on the topic. Uh, it's a very popular topic right now, so I'm not sure right now if, when you ask me at this moment that I'll actually make it in time, uh, but I hope so. What's your uh, what do you have a, a forecasted release date? Yeah, so the forecasted release date is actually in a month time, uh, and oh, right wow. now I have I have roughly three hundred pages, so uh, okay. fifty, sixty pages remaining. But those are all, always the ones that take the most time. Yeah. Eighty twenty yeah. rule, right? Okay. <laughs> so and thank um, you very much for taking the time with us there. With yeah, the, especially when you're so when you're so My busy. Pleasure. So now, um, to 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 go uh, going to the end and to to round up. Um, apart from the message that everybody has to uh, look out every day on Amazon uh, uh, for the release <laughs> of your book and then immediately yeah. buy it, um, is there one last message you'd like to spread on this topic? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it is that purpose is not something you can just uh, print posters about and decorate your office with uh, how flat you are and how much you want people to believe in the same thing. Purpose for me is an enabler for unlocking a very large amount of previously locked productivity. But that will only become unlocked if you enable people to work in new ways. Okay. So for me, the key message here is that you need to combine a new infrastructure, and it's very hard to imagine an organization that's productive and not digital, uh, with a leadership methodology, could be unboss, could be anything else, that believes in having a strong sense of purpose. Those two things go hand in hand. Okay. And what is the purpose that is currently enabling your productivity to maximize? Yeah. So my purpose is that I, uh, I believe I have found out that I'm better than most people at explaining how technology will impact how they work. Uh, maybe because I have a foot in technology, I have a foot in business, I have a foot in design, I have a foot in very many disciplines uh, so what drives me and my main purpose is that i want people to understand this i just wanted to explain it to them okay. uh, and then have them pick up the tools have them pick up any method they like i fully agree you have this talent jacob i also have a last question jacob is now quite some years ago you wrote this book Un unbossed. And, uh, the unbossed the bible <laughs> our, our bible and Jacob I would be interested to know if there are a few cases and don't have to mention names but are there a few cases of companies who said yes that's it it's also our bible 
and now mm. we will implement it. And now mm. I'm a bit mean. I'm not talking about the positive cases now. I'm talking mm. about cases you would be aware of where you roll with your eyes and say, oh, listen, guys, you got it totally wrong. Mm. Uh, you should have met, never made it like that. Are there some cases without mentioning names? And what is yeah. it what they got so wrong? Yeah, uh, th those cases exist. I'm not going to mention names. It's uh, good that you said so. Um, those cases exist. And most of those cases, I have come to the conclusion after being frustrated for so many years that they actually never read the book. Uh, and that that might that might also be the the downside of picking such a strong title that some people wouldn't just pick up the book they might put it in their office uh, but it's sort of like a slogan in itself that needs no explaining and they can believe that they read the book by just looking at the cover so that many of those projects i've seen that fail they fail because you think it's about eliminating all all possible sorts of leadership in your organization um, and just uh, sort of stripping that and using that maybe even as an exercise to save money. Uh, I've seen that in various both sizes of organizations and types of organizations, and that's really not what we what we mean. I think we even mentioned it on page four or something like that. It's in the it's, definition it's of the leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So hmm. Some people might interpret it as not, no boss, and some people might also read the book and believe it's only marketing. Uh, so it's only a matter of explaining how you believe, uh, getting people to understand your purpose, and then everything else really doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and that will only last for maybe half a year or a year. It will stop working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if it even ever works. If it even I mean, works. But you might have a positive effect. Yeah, of yeah. Throwing some light yeah there kind of be an inspirational moment of having that, yeah. uh, that, that purpose slogan on the wall. Yeah. Uh, uh, exactly. We create happy people and then <laughs> yay. <laughs> Everything falls into place. But then we measure the, the, the employee satisfaction in the company and 70% is not happy with the with the way things are going. But we <laughs> like that. okay. Um thanks, Jakob, Jacob. Thank, thank you, you very much for your time. We wish you all the best. If there's anything we can do. To promote your new book, uh, do send us an email. Um, we'll obviously read it, but uh, also um, share it with our network. And um, that's it from me. Thomas, you'd like to? Yeah, thank you very much, Jacob, for this uh, very much different perspective which we took today, which is the technology perspective. I, I find it fascinating. The technology uh, influence on unbossing. I I'm still a big fan of of this strong expression unbossing because it triggers something, and uh, mm. we have we have this wonderful expression. Thanks to you, Jacob. Thank mm. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Nick, our podcast with Jacob was for me something extraordinary. Extraordinary because usually, Nick, we focus very much on people. And we even usually emphasize how important it is in unbossing to take care, first and foremost, about the people, 
before we talk about tools, the usual suspect tools, which we know all too well. Now, this was very much a special message about technology, where Jacob said, guys, forget about a real unbossed organization without also having the infrastructure in place. Right, Nick? Yes, absolutely, Thomas. Um, this, this, this interview with Jacob um, resonated very strongly with me and, and um, is very similar to the work we are trying to do at Antwerp Management School. Mm -hmm. um, looking at the similarities between software systems, which is a complex system, and organizational systems, which is also a complex system. And in fact, there's, there are so many similarities. For one, the problems are the same. How to adapt your system to a constantly changing external world mm -hmm. and how to be sustainable. You know, those two key, key um, problems are both challenges in software and in organizations. And, and it's very interesting to see that often the solutions are also very similar. So it was a. Uh, I, I loved. I really loved this uh, this podcast interview with Jacob. And what's also funny, whenever you talk with the writer of a book, because obviously Jacob is the writer of the book, the original yeah. book Unboss, and I had a similar experience with Frederic Lalou. Um, when you talk with him a couple of years later, you notice that they've moved on. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and Jacob has moved on into focus on technology, mm -hmm. and. My first key takeaway is the simple sentence that you cannot be a purpose-driven organization without the supporting infrastructure. And his vision is so powerful, his vision that everybody in the organization is today a user of technology, but should become a creator of technology. Very right. And here we are, Nick. There is a word which comes into my mind, which we don't use very often uh, because it has become a kind of punchline. But I have to speak here about empowerment, right? Yes, it is, I mean, absolutely. It is really, I, I'm a part of an organization. I, I, I'm not a coder in this vision, right? I'm not. But I'm empowered if I see a problem I'm empowered to create. I have the tools to create and propose the solution. Wow, that's empowerment. I I I don't I don't know a better word. Yes, and 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 to me it was a completely new perspective on unbossing technology. Unbossing technology is not about defining tools, um, better tools for everyone to use. It's about enabling everyone in the organization to be able to use the power of technology and create their own solutions, not just the software developers, not just the IT department, but everybody in a couple of hours creating digital prototypes that are solving customers' needs. And wow, imagine imagine the possibilities then, right? I, I, I fully agree. And what comes in, up in my mind, uh, uh, Nick, okay, that's of course a wonderful vision. And when we talk about When we talk about um, the question, is there something similar already existing? Uh, 
he, he quite quickly came to the open source software community, right? Yeah, just like Gary Hamel and myself, we we are we we look with quite some envy to the open source communities. Um, on GitHub, you have hundreds of thousands of projects uh, where hundreds of thousands of people work together. Um, Linux is an open source system; it's one of the best systems in the world. It's created like this, and in the open source community, there there are no formal leaders. There is no one with definite power. And that's also what Jacob said. Uh, the leaders are those, not those who, who point out the problems, but those who point out the problems and come up with proposals. And that's very similar to what we try to inject in organizations, Thomas, with Highlands. It's, it's, it's all about stop complaining and start proposing. Start coming, using your creativity, your intelligence, to solve the problems that you see in the organization. And it's in, in, in that sense, the open source community is, is much far more advanced than uh, the standard organizations that we know today. And another thing which is very interesting is the transparency on uh, how problems are solved in the open source uh, code. So everybody can see who has written some code um, Imagine that in an organization that there would be logs of every decision taken, by whom it's taken, why it's taken, and that it would be transparent for everything, for everybody, you know, um, and, and no, no exceptions. The entire source code is available for everyone. Nick, I see the sparkle in your eyes. It's, it's amazing. And that is also, uh, let me say, is, 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 is very, typical for you and makes you also unique. This is a kind of the pure philosophy, the pure thing. And it's also a very, very inspiring vision. And, and that is, that is also what makes it so much fun working together with you. You know, <laughs> thanks. I, thanks. I, 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 I'm coming from the corporate world. I'm coming from the industrial world uh, where where everything has to be, um, yeah, some are very much down to earth, uh, what's in for the company, give me some KPIs, yeah, and, and it's, not, it's not fully out of me. And, and what I see once again in you, in, in this sparkle in your eyes, you just know it's the right way. You know it, yeah? Hmm. And, 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 and that is so powerful. Yeah. That is also... And, and, and why is this, this, this uh, so clear? That is, imagine, Thomas, that you don't have to lock tickets anymore uh, because there's an issue in your so internal software platform that's going to be picked up by IT. Imagine that you don't have to sit for hours and hours and hours in, 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 in meetings to define what you want only to get the first prototype six months later and, well, have the observation and the consultation that your, your needs have been changed in those past six months. Imagine that you could solve that issue. Isn't that what true Agile is about? And I would say as a concluding key takeaway, what, what Jacob inspired me is that Agile is not just about, um, about the people. It's also not just about how the IT department develops software together with the business. 
It is about democratizing and the democracy of technology, about empowering everyone in the organization with the power of technology. And to that, I say yes. And I say also yes, Nick. And you had me already when you said no tickets and no backlog anymore. <laughs> Indeed. And now, Thomas, we're off to the next one. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you've enjoyed this inspiring episode of the Unbossing Podcast. To round today's episode up, we would like to give the word to Thomas for a very special request. Thanks, Nick. Dear listeners, if you would like to recommend to us other possible interview guests who did lead successfully or even unsuccessfully interesting and inspiring projects where they liberated their people from bureaucracy, gave them more freedom in order to do uh, their work and their passion, please feel free to contact us. You find the contact details on our website. Mm -hmm.